You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, this is Aileen from Mrs. Miracle's Music Room, and you're listening to episode 71, Getting Students Back on Track in the Music Room. First, I would like to apologize. It has been a while since I released a podcast episode. That was not the original plan, but life got in the way, so I apologize for that. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I would like to read a review of the podcast. This is from my reviews on iTunes, and it is by, I don't know if I'm saying this right, it's like Music Chi, Music Chai, M-U-S-I-C-H-Y. And they say, inspirational. I am a first year elementary music teacher, but on top of that, I am a transition teacher coming from performance degrees in a performance career. Mrs. Miracle's Music Room podcast has been so helpful and inspirational in my beginning steps as a teacher. I highly recommend this podcast to any teacher, any experience level, and in any subject. Thank you, Aileen, for this inspiring resource. Thank you so much for the sweet review that just made my day. I would love to hear from more of you. So make sure if you haven't already reviewed the podcast, you go ahead and do that. And I may read your review on a future episode. All right, so we're going to dive into getting students caught up in the music room. So we have all dealt with, you know, our classes being quote unquote behind because in the spring of 2020, a lot of us, pretty much all of us, became virtual and our students may or may not have been completing the lessons that we were creating, that we were spending hours and hours creating. And then last year, some of us were in person, some of us were virtual, but there were likely restrictions. Maybe some of you couldn't do any singing. Maybe some of you weren't allowed to play any instruments or have students share resources. Whatever your situation looked like, you likely just got behind because of that. Because, you know, maybe there were weeks that you weren't at school or your students weren't at school because of COVID. So it's really just been such a crazy two years. And then this year, you may still have regulations in place. So regardless of your situation, a lot of us are feeling like, oh my goodness, our students or my students are not where they're supposed to be. So before we dive into this, I just want you to take a deep breath and just know that we are all feeling this. And that's what this podcast episode is about, to kind of like recalibrate your thinking. It is about getting students caught up, but also like shifting our mindset. So before I dive into my tips about getting students caught up, I want to let you know where my students are at in full transparency, and hopefully this will make you feel better. So last year, I was 100% virtual, and I was teaching some of my students at my current building, but I was also teaching students from all over the district who are virtual. And I had another teacher named Nathan who did an awesome job filling in for me while I was doing virtual teaching. And now he is my traveler. So he travels to my building and two other buildings. But because of the reasons that I just stated, the students got behind. I wasn't here. And even if I was here, they would still be behind, right? Because of COVID. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know I am recording this in November, pretty close to Thanksgiving. So I will tell you where my students are at. Kindergarten, they're on track because they're kindergarten and they weren't here last year. First grade, uh, my first graders just learned Ta and Titi and they will be learning So Me in January. So that's actually pretty much on track with where I'm normally at. Second grade has been practicing Ta, Titi, and Rest and they are preparing Law. Normally at this point in the year, they would be preparing Tikka Tikka and practicing law and maybe even preparing dough. So they're 
a little bit behind where I'm usually at. Third grade has been practicing two beat meter or two four and preparing dough. So again, I'm usually practicing Ray at this point. That's okay. Fourth grade is practicing Ray and I'm just about to start preparing tea ticket with them because I just taught them four four or four beat meter. So again, behind. And fifth grade is practicing Lola and preparing Cinco Pa. So again, not where I normally am, but that's okay. I just wanted to give you that for a little bit of perspective, just in case you were feeling like you were very behind. And also just in case you hear any kids screaming, I am recording this after school at school and I thought it would be a little bit quieter, but it's not. So (laughs) just want to apologize right there. All right. So that's where my students are. And here are some suggestions I have for helping to get your students a little bit back on track. Number one is to have perspective and also lower your expectations a little bit. All students are behind. So try to meet your students where they are and not where you want them to be or where you expect them to be or where you wish they were. Uh, At the beginning of the year, I definitely underestimated, you know, because I was thinking, um, you know, these students most of the students have had me for several years, especially my upper elementary. But when I was doing like a melodic assessment, like rhythm, they were pretty good with. But with melody, when I started assessing melody, that was eye-opening. And I, I realized, okay, they should know this because, you know, I think it was like fifth grade was practicing do, re, mi, so, and la. And they learned that in third grade, the last time I had them, they knew do, re, mi, so, and la. But it's just been such a wonky couple of years that I had to scale back. Like I was trying to do some kind of assessment with do, re, mi, so, and la. And I just scaled it back to do, re, and me because that's where they were. That's where they needed me to meet them. So it's okay to scale it back to really see where are they actually at? What do they really understand well? And you might have to go back a couple of years. That's okay. You're going to hear me say that a lot. So my apologies, but I just want you to feel better. All right. Number two is to focus on rhythm first. And I think a lot of us know from, you know, years of experience teaching music that rhythm always is easier, almost always is easier for students than melody is. So If you're starting to feel like the students are feeling frustrated or they're struggling a little bit, I would switch back to rhythm and focus on that, kind of solidify that, and then flip back to melody. And then a segue, the next thing I want to say is number three, ease into melody. And this is something that I realized at the start of the year when I was doing a lesson that was a little bit more focused on melody. I did too much. And I realized, you know, about five minutes in, this is too much for them. So I would say, especially if you're feeling like your students are a little bit frustrated with melody, do a lot of review, do a lot of echoing. I wouldn't go right into like dictation and having students like decode. I would do a lot of like, you know, just echoing where you sing a pattern on solfa and they sing it back to you. You sing another pattern on solfa, they sing it back to you. You sing with hand signs, they sing back to you. And do a lot of that and really getting them comfortable with singing if you are allowed to sing. So that's, you know, another thing. (laughs) If you are allowed to sing, then I would do a lot of echoing first. Normally, after I do a lot of echoing, then I would be playing my recorder and they would have to sing back to me. But I haven't been playing recorder at all this year because of COVID. So I have done some echoing like I play a pattern in xylophone, they have to sing it back. Or I show them the hand signs and only sing the first pitch and then they have to sing back the whole thing. So after students are a little bit more comfortable with echoing, then I would go ahead and do more of that, you know, inner hearing kind of activities. 
There are some great videos, and I can link to some in the show notes, with just echoing kind of activities for Melody that I have done as an opening activity, like the students come into music, and I put the video on, and they just go ahead and sing along with it. I started doing opening activities a little bit more this year because of my responsive classroom training, and that can be a great way to just kind of start the lesson off. So I'll link to those in the show notes. And by the way, to find the show notes, you can go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash podcast and then find this episode, which is podcast or episode 71. So yeah, you might have to ease a little bit into melody. And yes, we're almost halfway through the year. So you've probably discovered that already. But like if let's say you've really been focusing on rhythm and now you're getting into melody, you might just have to ease into it a little bit. And if you see that students are feeling a little bit overwhelmed, maybe quickly adapt your lesson, tweak your lesson, change it a little bit so that you give them what they're comfortable with. And then in the next lesson, do a little bit more. I have found a couple ways of making Melody a little bit more fun and interesting. So you may have seen me post on Instagram or TikTok about Spectrums or the Dash Robot. I absolutely love both of those and they do both cost money, but Spectrums is actually, the Spectrums rings are pretty inexpensive. The idea of a spectrum ring is it's like a ring that you could wear or that you could hold and they'll play different color or different pitches or different sofa depending on what color you press. Kind of similar to boom whackers, I guess you can set it up like a boom whacker or handbells or whatever. But if it, let's say you could program it when it touches red, it'll play do or C, you know, when it touches orange, it'll play ray or D or, or whatever. And the the students have really been enjoying those. You can kind of like have a song ready for them to play and they go ahead and just play it with the ring. Dash Robot with the xylophone accessory or attachment. That's super fun. I've used those in centers and the students can create their own song or you could already have a song programmed and then they just start deciding which direction the robot is moving. There's a bunch of different ways to use it, but that does kind of add a sense of excitement to Melody. And because Melody is more challenging for students to learn that could be a a good way to kind of you know shake it up a little bit so it's a little bit more exciting all right suggestion number four for catching students back up is to use versatile and or familiar songs that the students love and what I mean by that is you probably just because of being behind and because of COVID and all of that, you may have less time to teach new songs. You probably have not taught as many songs as you typically would have at this point in the year, right? So if you can find songs that serve some dual purposes or songs that are familiar, then this can really help. So I'll give you some examples and I will put notation for all of these in the show notes. Apple Tree is one that I have used even with third grade. I'm trying to kind of venture away from that because I don't usually like to use it past the beginning of third grade, but because it has so me, you can use that. Because it has so la and me, you can use it to practice that. And it has a do at the end. So, and also with my third graders, because I was preparing to beat meter or two, four, I use it for that too. So there's a lot going on with apple tree. Oboshi Not and Totten is a really fun one. I'll also link to that. That one is in do pentatonic. It uses a singing voice and a speaking voice. So even just, you know, reviewing that with upper elementary can be great. And it has a syncopa or eighth quarter eighth in it. So lots of good stuff there. Closet Key is great for Titi and Ta. It's great for Do, Re, and Me. And I just, I've been loving it this year because it's easy to play socially distanced because it's just a matter of the one student 
hiding the key and another student finding it and I just haven't put on hand sanitizer before and after. Uh, So that one is great for social distancing. I got a letter this morning, has been great. That's another hiding and finding game. I laminated my envelopes so that students, you know, I could wipe them down after each time. And that one is good for Lola. It's good for Cinco, Pa, and again, it's a great socially distanced game. Um, It's also good for Whole Note and for Half Rest. So there's a lot going on there. So like I said, just finding those songs that have a lot that you can do with it if you don't have enough time to teach a bunch of new songs. The last one I'll mention is Plainsies Clapsies. Again, it's great for social distancing because the students are just holding bean bags. You could have them sanitized before and after. This is, again, just like anything, it's going to depend on what your district has told you as far as sharing materials or whatever. But it's good for Somi and Law and it's good for 2-4 or 2-beat meter. So again, lots going on there. So if you can find those gems that work for a lot of different purposes so that If you're not able to teach a bunch of new songs, you can kind of reuse songs for different purposes. All right, and then my fifth suggestion for catching your students up is prioritizing. Think about what's really important in your music room. I feel a little bit guilty for posing this question to you, but I'm gonna do it. (laughs) The question I'm gonna pose is, what's more important, that students learn tickety or that they find joy in music? Or another question for you. What's more important, that students learn syncopa or that they are able to think critically about music and think about the role of music in their lives? So if you really think about like, okay, is it that important that my students learn tickety? Or is it more important that they, you know, review the concepts they already know and we do this awesome project? And I shouldn't feel guilty for asking you that but, or for asking the question, but I think sometimes we do feel guilty because we put curriculum over everything else. But no, joy, joy, we all know that, you know, joy is most important. So joy is first and then everything else is second. So I'll give you a quick overview of some of the project-based learning projects, PBL projects that I've done with students this year, just to kind of get you thinking creatively in case you want to try something like this. And I've really enjoyed doing this because I'll have like my 25 minute whole group lesson where we are reviewing, you know, known concepts and we're learning new concepts and that kind of thing. But then I'll have some kind of project. And this is a lot of my lessons are set up like this. So with third grade, I am doing this musical invention project because we had so much fun with spectrums. I had students explore and learn about a bunch of different musical inventions like the Dash Robot, the Automaton. If you've ever heard of that, it's this really fun like Japanese electronic musical instrument. The Cue Ball, which is this really fun solo singing ball. So I had them, I created this hyperdoc that taught them about all these different inventions and they could explore with whatever invention they wanted. And then I also had students do some inquiry and ask questions about the spectrum. Like, what do you wonder about the spectrum? So for my next rotation of lessons, I'm having students explore a hyperdoc that has a bunch of their questions on it. And then they get to find out the answers to those questions. And then the next step would be, I'm going to have them brainstorm a musical invention. So we're going to talk about like what problem do you want to solve and how could you solve it with an invention? And I'm thinking of using, I'm kind of like, 
putting this together as I go, but I'm thinking about using Google Quick Draw, which is a tool that I just learned about to have students draw like a prototype of their invention and then share it with each other. And we're just going to see how it goes and see where it goes from there. But that's been really fun um, to really get students thinking about like, if I wanted to do an invention that involved music, what would that look like? With fourth grade, they have been working on my symphony orchestra, like let's go to the symphony project. And I have that in my TPT store. I can link to it. But the idea is that they choose a theme for their symphony orchestra concert. So it's kind of like they're a symphony orchestra director. So they choose a theme. The themes that I have right now are Halloween, Christmas, uh, space and variety. And then they listen to a bunch of pieces from that playlist and they decide which ones they want on their concert. And then they have to add up their time. So there's some math involved and then decide like, is it figure out, is it long enough? And I said like 40 to, it should be 40 to 50 minutes in length. We talk about how, you know, if it's too long, it gets boring. If it's too short, people wonder why they (laughs) left the house for such a short concert. So then they have to do some revision and then they can create a program in Google Sites, like a printed program. So that's been really fun. And then with my fifth graders, we've been working on this playlist project. We do something at my school called Music Mondays, where we play a different song every Monday just to get the kids ready for the week. And the fifth graders worked from three different playlists and chose their favorite song from each playlist. The first two I had created, one just with songs that I thought they would like and then that were kid appropriate. And then the second one had more diverse music on it. And uh, the third one, they submitted ideas for the for the playlist, like songs that they really liked. And I looked at all their choices. I had to look up all of the lyrics to make sure that they were appropriate and look up videos to make sure I had appropriate videos. And then it did take some work, but it was so worth it because now we have a playlist that they absolutely love. And it was really cool because they were giving me songs that I have never heard of that were really good songs. So that was really cool. So they worked with all all of those playlists, chose their favorite from each one. And then I gave them a template for the morning announcements where they were able to type up a morning announcement. They had to research a fun fact about their song or artist. And that was cool to do research in the music room. And now we've been doing some morning announcements on Monday mornings with morning announcements that they've created. And then the next step was that then they created their own slide, own Google slide that I gave them some like design elements. So that was really fun. And they put together the design elements with a fun fact about the artist or the band or whatever. So that's what we've been doing. And like I said, it's been really great to still have like that whole group lesson where we're practicing known concepts and learning new concepts. But then we also have about half of the lesson, 20, 25 minutes of the lesson, where they're able to do more independent work and critical thinking and collaborative work. It's been really good. So again, going back to that question about what's the most important thing for you to teach, try to think beyond melodic and rhythmic concepts and really think about what do you want your students to walk away from elementary school with? Or if you teach middle school, what do you want them to walk away from middle school with? So that you are not racked with guilt that they're behind because then you know that you're giving them something that was really valuable and really meaningful to their education. I hope that's helpful for you and I hope that you feel less guilt about your students being behind but also have some ways to kind of get them a little bit more caught up. All right, I'm going to talk about what I'm consuming. So my husband, Scott, and I just went to our first concert since February 2020. Uh, We went and saw the band Deer Tick. And it was also with Delta Spirit, but we're like pretty big Deer Tick fans. And we weren't as familiar with Delta Spirit. They were good too. But 
to kind of prepare for that concert, I started listening to a lot more Deer Tick and I just really, really love them. And it's funny because as I've been talking to people at school and just, you know, telling them that I went to this Deer Tick concert, there was only one person at my school that knew who Deer Tick was because they're a little bit more obscure. So I just want to put it out there. If you really like gosh, I don't know how I would define them, like maybe alternative rock or indie rock. Yeah, I think you should check them out because just give them a listen. Just if you have Alexa or you have Siri or whatever you have, just ask them to play a Deer Tick song and see if you like it. I hope you do because I really love them and and it was really fun to go back to a concert. All right, so this is gonna be, I know that it was a few weeks between podcast episodes and I'm gonna take a little break for, uh, for winter break for Christmas. So I will be back in January with some awesome podcast episodes. I'm very excited about some episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe to my, podcast if you haven't yet that way you are notified when I release another podcast episode but like I said it won't be until January. I hope you have a wonderful and restful holiday season and have a great day. Bye.